While we uh, wait for the uh, technical to catch up with uh, us here, I uh, wanted to just maybe introduce this by um, giving you a little broad overview of what we're going to cover. Today's lesson talked about living in the desert. And I think sometimes our practical Christian experience seems as if we're in the desert and we're wondering what's going on in our lives. Why does it seem so difficult uh, uh, for where, we're, where we are? Why does everything that we're, God has called us to do seem like a sacrifice rather than a privilege? How is it that, our, um, that we're developing spiritual formation is taking place in our hearts uh, so that uh, I am, uh, can be like Paul in, in every aspect, uh, be uh, excited to lay down my life for him, uh, to, re- to recognize to be absent from the flesh is to be present with the Lord. I <clears throat> uh, want to cover some things. Uh, first of all, uh, I'll give you just an outline. Uh, the number one command that we find in Scripture and that Jesus taught, I want to talk about heart issues. And though I'm going to bring up on, on the uh, LCD uh, some heart issues, they are not exhaustive. Uh, there is a lot more Scripture. If you go to the Scripture and, and examine what the Bible teaches about the heart, you will find a lot of it. And then we're going to talk about not what does God mean by the heart. We'll look at uh, a model. We'll call it the three-tree model. And we're going to look at something that I call the five-circle model. What it is that God uh, has provided for us so that our hearts can be transformed, that we can be spiritually formed and becoming alive in Christ and abundant in our testimony. We want this to happen, what Scripture talks about, that in the last days, and I don't think any of us you know, think that we're not living in the last days, but the Bible says that in the last days that ten men will take hold of him who is called a Jew, and that's not just a bloodline Jew, but him that is spiritually a Jew, the born-again believer, take hold of the coattail of him and say, I want to come with you because I know that God is with you. And that all deals with how the heart is being formed in us uh, before God. Then lastly, or we want to look at some biblical help and hope, and then we want to understand the process. The heart of all revival. <clears throat> First of all, we find that it's the, under, the number one command, and I said heart issues, the three-tree model, God's provisions, the five-circle model, biblical help and hope, and understanding the process. And we're going to have to go really quickly, because I'd like to leave some time uh, for you to ask some questions and so um, if you feel like um, it's a, uh, not just a water fountain you're drinking from, but uh, maybe a, like a fire hose, uh, bear with me. I want to give as much information so that you have some, some tools to go back with and start working on them when um, you're at home or in your dorms tonight. The great commandment. In Matthew, Jesus, you know, they, they came and says, what is the great commandment? What can I do? And he says, speaking about loving God with all your heart, all your soul, your strength, and your mind, he says, upon that issue hang all the law and the prophets. In Mark, we see that it, um, they called it the first commandment. And then when uh, the, the, the person responded and says, to love God with all your heart is more than offerings and sacrifices, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So the issue of the heart is dealing also with our presence and proximity to the kingdom of God and understanding these issues. 
uh, uh, Luke said, uh, in Luke we see that it was recorded, do this and you will live. And so the idea is, in understanding the heart and what God is teaching, is, is really talking about living. Living in an abundance. Living with Jesus Christ. So these are very critical issues. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind. <clears throat> this teaching didn't begin with Jesus. Jesus didn't appear on the scene and started talking about loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It was from the very inception when God called out his people and said, you need to, to love me with all your heart. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Deuteronomy 10.12, it's not even you should, you shall, but it says this is what the Lord requires of you. It's a commandment. And, but not only that, about loving with all our heart. And this is an important thing. A lot of times we focus on loving God with all our heart, but it's a much broader subject in that it says it also requires us to fear God with all our heart, to love him and to serve him with all of our heart. Uh, in Deuteronomy 11:13, it talks about earnestly obeying him with all your heart. Now, see, this is, this is the expansion on the, on the subject that we want to look at. In Deuteronomy 13, it talks about when a false prophet would come in. And the idea is that God is going to test your heart. He wants, and he says, I'm going to allow this false prophet to come in. And, so, and he is going to, what? The scriptures say, he is going to want to turn your heart away from God. And so God says, I'm going to allow this because I really want the heart tested and true and pure. And so this is a very, very important subject that we look at. And then he says, I want you, in Deuteronomy 30, he says, I want you to remember me and my law, my commandments. I want you to repent. I want you to obey. I want you to turn to God. All of these with the idea, with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. So it's a very encompassing subject. Because, I mean, we don't often think about um, uh, serving him with all our heart or even remembering him with all our heart or even turning and then Joshua, he says, the commandment is to walk in all his ways with all of our heart. There's a caution in Scripture where God brings out the idea of a turned heart. And it can be turned away from God. I only have one, uh, one reference up there. There are other ones, uh, a lot more other. And, and speaking about 13, it says, if you, uh, Moses spoke, he says, if you turn away from me, the consequences is no victory. You will not go in and possess the land. You will not possess the abundance that I've laid out in front of you that exists there that is yours for the taking. Okay, if, if a, a turned away heart. Then also if it, a heart that's turned to God, turn to me with all your heart and rend your heart and not your garments. And he's gracious and merciful. And then the, the exhortation, turn so that you might live and multiply. The whole idea, the whole concept of spiritual formation within the heart is so that we have the abundance that God wants us to have so that it not only moves us, it flows out of us, and it's attractive to everybody. You know, we should be the most attractive people on the earth, not because of our physical appearance or what we wear, but because who we are inside, and it just radiates on our outside. Have you ever um, been somewhere and, and, and been with somebody and they... And you look at a group of people passing by, and you hear the comment, boy, they've been living the fast lane, haven't they? 
They've been living in the fast life. I remember when we first came to Worcester, we were, um, before we even moved, uh, one of the questions that popped into our mind was, why are we moving here? It looked like the all-American city, uh, a lot of churches, nice homes, just a nice town. And I said, Lord, why do you want us to move here? And he really never gave us an answer, but yes, this is where I want you. Well, we were there a couple of weeks, and they had a fair, the county fair. Now, this was quite unusual for our kids at that time. They actually got a day off of school to go to the county fair. They never heard of something like that in Arizona. So they went to the county fair, and we went with them, not knowing what to expect because we had never been to one. And so kids went off on the ride, and Margie and I sat on a bench and said, if you need us, come find us here. We sat on a bench, and we walked the people go, watched the people go by. And just by looking at their faces and their bodies, you could see these were unhappy people. They were people that were just way far from all of the blessings of God. And so this is an issue that we want to talk about. Turn so that you can live and multiply. The heart is the source of everything. And I'm giving you only two verses here that if you... Uh, uh, want to memorize two, these are two. And, and you probably already know these. And I should say that as I come to you, I have been on a journey of reflection and study on the heart. And if you would put it on a scale of 1 to 100, I might be on 11, 12, because the more that I study this and think and reflect upon it, the bigger it is. It just keeps getting bigger. And it's one of the problems I wrestle with with this forum, saying, how can I get this down to 50 minutes so that there's time of reflection? So that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm just kind of going really fast. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Or another translation, wellspring of life. Life emanates from the heart, not just the physical heart. And, this, and we'll get to that. For out of the heart in Matthew... Uh, proceed evil thoughts these are the things which defile and he, he goes on to describe some of those the heart is where sin is engraved we're going to talk about heart issues this is not exhaustive um, as i sat and reflected upon it this morning i added about seven or eight that could have been in this um, presentation but we just won't take the time to it <clears throat> i thought it's interesting and we'll look at jeremiah 17 in a little bit more detail uh, and, and i'm using um, for for me, a, an easier um, version that gets the gist of the King James, and it's the new King James, and it says, the sin of Judah is engraved on the tablet of the heart. Again, this is what Jesus is saying. Sin isn't in the action that we do. It proceeds in, in, in what happens in the heart, first of all. It's engraved there, and that's, you know, it's a serious issue. It's kind of, uh, it seems to be permanent. What sin? You know, we can go on and on there of the murders, adulteries, uh, blasphemies, thefts the greed, materialism. But what about this sin here, that maybe we are accepting what is good, and God says, I want to give you what is better or the best. You know, too often we are living as Christians at a, what we consider a high level, at a, at a great mark, and God's saying, there's so much more. And if you look and study uh, spiritual Israel, or, or Israel as they came out of Egypt out of bondage into the promised land, that's exactly what happened. They had it good. And one of the cautions that, Jesus, or that Moses warned about, he says, be very careful that after you go in and you have uh, houses that you didn't build and you have vineyards that you didn't plant and you're enjoying the abundance that you forget 
that your heart turns, that you become distracted, and you accept what is good, and then you leave out what is best and the better. And they did. They stopped their progression of, this, of, of growing with God, and they became content, and it says they didn't drive out all of the enemy within the land. And there's a correlation. If we allow anything within our heart, if we stop in the process of spiritual formation, and we, and we think we've arrived, then we can easily fall prey to what happened to children of Israel. We become distracted, and we become less victorious. Okay. The heart, a bare shrub or a fruitful tree. I apologize, I don't have that um, written up there, but let me read to you uh, what uh, those verses say. Speaking of a, the King James uses a, the term called a heath, um, which, you know, isn't something that we normally use in the, in the language. So let me read it to you. For he shall be like a, a shrub in the desert, a bare shrub, as if you go into the definition, and, you, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Sounds like our desert living that we talked about in class. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and shall not fear when heat comes, but its leaves shall be green, and will, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So, the option is, within the heart, is either a bare shrub or a fruitful tree that does not cease in bearing fruit. <clears throat> the heart, if we would go on and read uh, just after these verses uh, in uh, 9 and 10, the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, uh, above all things. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind. God is very interested in where our heart is today. And again, it's a term that we use, we can read about, and I'm going to expand upon it again. Um, the heart is, uh, Jesus taught, it's a good tree or a bad tree. <clears throat> Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. You shall know them by the fruits the heart, that's where the place of repentance and revival is. All of this is taking place within our heart. <clears throat> Won't take the time to read all of those verses. The heart, is it tender or is it hardened? The first reference in 2 Kings 22 deals with Josiah when he became king. It says his heart was very tender before the Lord. And... Um, he was sensitive to the word of God. He was sensitive to the advisors uh, uh, that were giving him, to the counsel of those that were there. And it speaks about that it was a very tender place. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse. And <clears throat> you tore your clothes and wept before me. I have also heard you, says the Lord. Isn't it interesting? And you probably covered this in your class. But I just I marvel at the the parallel of all of these verses with the lessons. He's talking about it's a desolate place, it's a, a desperate place. Why? Because there was a lack of a tender heart in the people. But when the tender heart came here, then he says, "I will be merciful and gracious to you." And then we can look at uh, Hebrews four uh, seven. It says again uh, today, if you hear uh, after 
uh, a long time, is that today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And we think about Pharaoh. And the thing that I really want you to understand about is it tender or hardened? A lot of times we, we don't miss or we miss the concept of what happened to Pharaoh. It speaks about in the Old Testament that God hardened his heart, but it also speaks about Pharaoh hardened his heart. Okay, there's this, this, uh, there's this application that's going on by both sides in the heart. See, God is working on the heart. And you are working on the heart. I am working on the heart. And so we have this opportunity to choose between the two. And I believe that when God begins the work, he, he, he calls us to be of a tender heart, but then we make the choice. Do we allow him to then do the work to make us tender, or do we be like Pharaoh and say, we choose and we harden our heart? And God says after that, after Pharaoh says he chooses to harden his heart, he says, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what your heart is, wants. If your heart wants to be hardened, I'll do that for you. If it wants to be tender, I'll do that for you too, and we'll see that in Scripture and other things. Here's the three-tree model. Um, I'm going to go ahead and blank that for you because I need to use this overhead. And I don't claim... What happened to my... I don't claim to be an artist at all, but we'll make an attempt. Okay. What we have here... We have into each life, and that's the sun, and um, we have what's called the heat. We have something of hardships, of trials, and I'll put this on the screen when I'm done here, and you can take some notes if you want to. But we have the heat. Uh, it's hardship, trials, sufferings, and it's also just the effect of living in a fallen world. But we also have the dew, which, and these are supposed to be raindrops, but I'm trying to hurry there. The dew that comes from God, which are the blessings and the good things because of his common grace, his mercy that is uh, there for us to, to receive grace in the time of need. Okay? So then we have also a tree here. Okay? And then we talked about earlier a tree that comes from uh, a bad heart and a tree that would come from a good heart. And this is supposed to depict something that's lush growing and everything else like that. Okay, again, this is the, the three-tree model. Okay. So we have here the root and the fruit. Ties back to what we saw in uh, Matthew. Uh, if the heart is bad, the fruit's going to be bad. If the heart is good, the fruit's going to be good. <clears throat> It's going to show sinful behavior or godly behavior. And what we see here will also reflect on the, on the heart. The key is, this isn't the focus. Too often we, we get sidetracked and distracted by uh, examining fruit, becoming fruit inspectors. And, and this sometimes can be confused in a person's life. They can put a face on, they can put a mask on. But the real emphasis for all of us who are concerned about spiritual formation in our hearts so that we are abundant living, so that we're attractive people, we have to focus right here. Because this is what God said is. That is the key, the root, the heart of all the issue. So then we have above this the triangle, 
which is God. <clears throat> and it's a, the triune God who serves as a sovereign, wise, and good God. He is over all of this. These are, this is life situations that impact us, that surround us. It could be, you know, again, from a, a, a fallen universe. It could be from sin in the world. It can be from a heart that isn't yet uh, fully after God. Now, what your question is, okay, I see two trees, but you're calling this the three-tree model. Again, the third tree is the cross. The Bible talks about the cross, you know, and, and a person who's crucified is um, on a tree is being cursed. And Scripture is very clear that uh, Jesus is that third tree. Um, he was crucified on the cross, and we want to look at what was provided for us in that and on the cross. God's provisions in Jesus Christ. And then, so we have the cross, and the last thing that we have, and this is to kind of represent a stream is God's provisions, which we'll look at next. God's provisions impacting this bad heart to make it a good heart. Okay, we'll put that off for a little bit, get back to here. So here I've summarized those things. The tree, three-tree model. <coughs> what are the provisions that, God, that Jesus provided on the cross, that God gave us in Jesus? Well, one of the things that we want to look at is, again, this isn't new information, but hopefully in putting it all together and thinking about it again, we might be encouraged. First of all, the idea is we have to understand that we need to be born again. And we need to then as to, to take some really active, energy-consuming um, uh, actions. Paul wrote in Romans, Reckon yourselves to be dead. Okay. I always struggled with that because it seemed like that flesh that doesn't die always kept trying to trip me up. And, and we read in Scripture about how the flesh wars against the spirit. And so it was hard to, to get to that point. But that is a decision that I should make every day, that I need to come before God and, and, and bring that Scripture before me and say, okay, reckon yourself. Do the accounting you have died and are in Christ. Okay, that's something that we do, and I think we do some, sometimes just the simple aspect of that. It helps us. Okay, <clears throat> let's move on. Um, first of all, and, and this list could go on and on and exhaustive. Again, I'm just going to touch on some highlights. Christ is our great high priest, as, as we find in, in Hebrews 4, uh, 14 through 16. One of the things it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus is the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Let's stop there for a moment. A great high priest who is passed into the heavens. Well, Scripture teaches that Jesus experienced everything that we experience. He knows that. And because of that, as he experiences, for we have not a high priest which cannot and I've put in parentheses, sympathize with our weakness, but he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities and was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. 
Remember I talked about the issue is the heart and about all the issues that proceed from the heart, sin that's engraved upon the heart. Okay, God has given us a new heart, it says in, in uh, uh, the Old Testament. I will give them a new heart. But this process that we've looked at here is an ongoing process, and, and we'll talk about that more. God's word is coming in and transforming the heart. <clears throat> Maybe a, a way to describe it is we have been justified in faith when we come to him in Christ and believe, but we are being sanctified, and that's the process of our spiritual formation going on. So in that process, we can find a sympathizing high priest. I think we have to understand that. And, and, and maybe we don't think about that often enough so that when, and in my life I should say this, when I you know, fail and make mistakes, it bothers me, and sometimes I don't think about how gracious God is. Because what does it say? It says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the timing. I think it's interesting that he puts mercy before grace because the mercy implies that, you know, we have sinned, we have failed, we have mistakes, we don't do everything that we should, our heart isn't where it is, it should be. And so let's be honest with ourselves and say, you know, when I come to God every morning, it hasn't because I've done something good for the, uh, the day before or I've been kind of living on that higher plane where I've had uh, a better ratio to, to sin or, uh, or to godly living than ungodly living. It's no. I come to God every day for mercy. I come to his throne, first of all, for the mercy because I am not there yet in my heart. And you know, that's an interesting thing. As I grow in life, I used to think that I was a little farther along than I was, but as God's word, you know, and the, and the issues of it, I, I'm beginning to see that the heart of man needs a lot more transformation to find grace and help in the time of need. In Christ, uh, Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And if you would do a study on what it means to be in Christ, to be buried with him, to be baptized into his death, to be identified into his death, and also identified with his resurrection, it's a tremendous, tremendous blessing to take the time to do that study. I'm only saying in Christ. Here's one verse to maybe uh, light a little bit of a fire or warm the fire that is in you to go and do that study because it says he's given us every spiritual blessing is that lacking anything okay so we also see in the heavenly places in christ okay i'm going to give you another model here in this one i call the five circle okay first of all um, well, maybe uh, we're going to deal with who we are as people. And this is getting into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of uh, the nitty-gritty of spiritual formation, development in your life, my life, and every person in the world's life. Okay, so this is something that as we understand, we can uh, truly uh, benefit those that we come in contact with. 
First of all, what we have within us. And this is, no, again, new news. We have the physical and the spiritual of what makes it up. For, for so often, culture, uh, philosophers really negated the spiritual side, what it is, what it uh, meant, and just focused on the physical. <clears throat> but this is what I would say what is seen, unseen. Okay, so what do we have under that? First of all, we have the body. Again, obvious. But when we talk about us being human beings and spiritual formation, we have to include the whole aspect. Because as you look and study the Bible, the idea is the heart is the command and control center. You know, if you watched any of the news reports during the Iraqi war, it talked about this report's coming from the command and control center in Qatar, uh, uh, North Africa there, or uh, 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 over there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, so you saw this great, you know, center with all of these high-tech things going on. And uh, if you need to just holler at me and I'll stop for a moment. And, uh, but what was going on there in that command and control center? Well, these guys knew where every troop was in the field. I mean, they had all these satellites and uh, GPS positioning things, and so they could have communication. They know that, you know, this tank is over there, this truck's over here, this one got lost, and they're, you know, they're captured or whatever. And so the command and control center uh, of the heart, but it, it's affecting the body. So we want to understand all of this aspect of who we are as human beings uh, in the world and where spiritual formation is going to take place. We have the body. It's the focal point. It's also where our strength is, okay? The strength to be here at camp and not be uh, you know, uh, an invalid with a stroke uh, in a hospital like one of our, uh, uh, the, our neighbors is. It's also our body is where we socially connect, okay? We have physical contact with. It's our social context. And, and when we think about somebody, we think most likely about of their physical appearance. Uh, we see a face. And so it's part of our social context in the physical realm. Okay, now I'm going to start, I'm going to bring these all together. What is unseen is the mind. Okay, and I'm going to put our thinking, <clears throat> and also our feeling here. Okay, let me just sketch these out and then I'll start to maybe give you, expand on them. We have here the spirit, which isn't just a term of what is unseen, but actually we do have a spirit as the Bible talks about. And often the, the spirit, heart, and will are used kind of as a triune, all distinct, but also very uh, united together into one context. And then what we have what I call is the soul. Now, the soul is what unites all of these together. Okay? In the scripture, the soul sometimes is talked to as, as a third person, a th uh, in the third person um, uh, form. Oh, my soul, why are you downcast? Uh, but it's what interrelates and interconnects and makes this all work together. <clears throat> but let me just expand a little bit on this. The spirit is definitely the non-physical, but the heart here, what I'm talking about here, is, is that command and control center, 
And the will is where our choosing, our choice takes place. Our choice to do good, our choice not to do good. Okay. I need one more of these. Okay, so let's put this together in a model. Okay, we talked about the body. We talked about the social context. We talked about the soul, tying it all together. We talked about the mind. Then we talked about spirit, heart, will. Okay. The thing that we want to understand about this, all of these are taking place and is what's either enabling or disabling the spiritual formation in the heart. Okay. The heart is impacting all of these. Okay. And this is our environment around us, the infant environment around us. Our, our body, as we interact with the social context, you know, if we're staying out all, lay, all night, as, as, as a lot of young people who want to stay up till 4 in the morning and visit here at camp, well, obviously the body is going to be tired so that when they get to class or forum or team choir, they're not going to be really focused in. They're not going to be tuned in. So, so what's happening in the social context are interactions with people. You know, you're driving down the road and, and, and somebody cuts you off or somebody, you know, is going 35 and a 55 mile an hour. It happens all the time in, in Wayne County, Ohio. I don't know if it happens in your area, but it drives me nuts. And that's when, you know, I start getting... You know, I start talking to myself and sometimes out loud and then my wife can correct me. But if I'm just saying it to myself, that idiot, that jerk, you know, why doesn't he have it show a little respect? Well, I, I used to think that that was okay. Maybe you think, man, you, you are sorry state of a Christian. And, and I, I am because I'm, I'm not spiritually formed yet. I am in the process. But, you know, every time that happens now, I'm becoming a little more sensitive to go, well, you know what? That's really showing what's in my heart. And that isn't a very good picture. It's rather ugly because what's coming out of my mouth is really what's in my heart. And I'm thinking about that person as a jerk and Jesus is thinking, I died for him. Why are you saying that? Okay, so what's going on around us is impacting or is at least revealing our heart. Okay, we have to understand how all of these work together. Uh, Our mind is impacting our body because if we're doing our thinking there, and it involves not only our, our cognitive thinking, but it involves our memory, processing our sensations of, of our, uh, and our feelings and, and our emotions there. All of those are going on. You know, maybe my emotion is, I don't feel like going to church today. Oh, another forum. Uh, man, you know, you talk to some of the kids. All you do is go to church for you know, 24 hours a day at camp. You know, um, so these are working together. Our, um, our heart and our will is, is, is impacting, again, all of these. Now, what's happening then from the environment? Well, if, if I'm not getting rest, and this is one that I'm going to pick on 
for me. If, if, if I'm not doing what God says, you know, in the Scripture about getting that necessary rest, then it's going to impact my heart. It's going to impact my social context. How is it that I... Well, Margie keeps telling me, you never take a day off. You're always working. You're working late at night. And I, you know, I tell them, but I'm working at home. You know, I, I'm, I'm, do, I'm using my commute time that I normally would, you know, doing stuff. Or um, late at night or early in the morning. But the problem that I've had, and I have to admit it to you, is not taking enough rest. I'm not finding the rest that I need to restore and also to live as godly as I should. So what happens is, we'll take a, just a pause here. So what, what's happening is, because my body's not tired, I'm looking for other things to energize it. And you know what I find it in? Food. Or, you know, if I'm at 10 o'clock at night or 10.30 and I'm so tired that my body is crying out, go to bed, you know what I do? I go downstairs and I get a snack. That'll give me a little more energy. You know, maybe it's a candy bar or something. Well, obviously, it's affecting my body in, in ways that, you know, I should be about 30 pounds lighter or, or whatever the, 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 the good weight is, but I'm not because I'm neglecting a very important aspect of what God commanded. He says, honor the Sabbath day. Take that rest that is necessary. So, what's that doing? Well, it's, effect, it's affecting my social. It's affecting my mind. I don't think as well when I'm not rested. <clears throat> and, I'm, and obviously my choices are going to be impacted because of that. So there's this dynam, it's a, a, a dynamic type of interaction that's going on. Okay, we've got to keep going here. Okay, so we have the, the five, what I call the five-circle model. And um, I, I have to confess that I, I got this model from uh, a book that I just came across in the last, um, oh, maybe uh, six weeks. It's by Dallas Willard called uh, The Renovation of the Heart. And I found it um, not an easy book to get through, but one that um, is well worth the effort on there uh, and explains a lot more than I can. This whole idea, there's a, a, a dynamic relationship going on between all of these aspects of who we are as human beings. And, if, and the, the important thing is to understand is if I want my heart to love God with all my soul uh, and to love Him with all my soul, strength, and mind, they all have to be working together. I can't just focus on one and ignore the other. I can't say, okay, I'm going to uh, skip the idea of body or, what I, or, or my mind. Uh, you know, this is a real common thing that I find with young people as I work with them. It doesn't matter what I watch. It doesn't matter what I listen to. I can take it all in. And it doesn't affect me. Well, th this model shows that it doesn't. The facts of reality show that it doesn't. And God's Word explains that it doesn't. And so unless I am being spiritually formed and that's impacting my body you know, spiritual formation is going to dwindle. It's not going to continue to develop. If I am uh, being careless in what I spend my free time in, maybe it's just, as some of the kids said in the 16-year-old class, maybe I like to hang out with my friends. Well, that's an input going in that's going to affect the body, mind, and soul. If I just want to go to the mall. You know, some people shop as a pleasurable experience. Well, that's not for me. It's something that I get dragged to. 
And I said, well, you know, buy it for me if I need it. I don't need it, is my common uh, response. It's a dynamic relationship. You can go to these scriptures and find out how difficult the war is that we're in and that's taking place in our hearts and our minds. Here we go. Jesus said in Matthew uh, 26:41, "Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak." Okay. Do you notice that? Is if we had on the screen those um, uh, that five-circle model, the spirit that's within, but the flesh is weak. So all of this is a dynamic that keeps going on that we have to address all aspects of this uh, in um, relationship together. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. And we're going to go on um, just so that we can uh, get through this information. <clears throat> One of the things that I want to look at is just this aspect of the, in the five circle model is if uh, the Bible talks about in Romans about a carnal and a spiritual uh, person. And here it's simply the order of those five uh, aspects uh, uh, of the five circle model. In the carnal person, it's the body is controlling. It's, you know, what, what do I do from my body? How do I get some pleasure or excitement or satisfaction there? Um, and then it's, it's the priorities of God where God is last. In the spiritual, obviously God is first and my body is last. I'm not giving in to what I want to do, um, what I'm thinking I want to do. It's God is first in that. Biblical help and hope as we come to uh, our last few minutes. Um, first of all, it's found in the Word of God. You know, let's back up. The three-tree model reflected upon Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Well, the Word of God is what brings it out to us. It's the Word of God that explains to us who Jesus was, uh, what He has done for us, what grace is, what faith is, um, and um, the Word of God that is so important. And if you would go back to all of those commands that we talked about, uh, uh, Jesus' command and also those that Moses gave in Deuteronomy that we started the forum with, most of them deal with an aspect of the heart. I mean, with, with the Word of God also. How important the Word of God is in all of the heart issues of life. And all of life exudes from the heart. I've hidden your word in my heart uh, so that I might not sin against you. Second uh, Timothy 3.16, that the word of God, it was first given by God. It was spirit-breathed. As I told my class this morning, when you pick up the Bible and you begin to read that, you are in the presence of God because it's a Holy Spirit-breathed. And it's there for you. And, and, and we talk about um, uh, the body, taking care of the body. Well, the word of God is that bread that takes care of the heart of man, that spirit of man that feeds it. And the Word of God needs to be part and just filling our lives over and over again. And not simply a reading of the Word, but a meditation and reflection, and we'll cover that. Uh, the Word of God is living and powerful. It discerns what? The thoughts of the heart. It's the Word of God, as we expose ourselves to it, is going to tell us where our heart really is. And we'll begin to see that. Uh, <clears throat> again, uh, Proverbs 4 it talks about keep uh, these words in your heart because the heart is the source. Uh, and that's why the instruction was, if the heart is the source, then we ought to be filling the source with the word. Deuteronomy says, teach, talk of them, memorize them, write them, 
Uh, put them on the doorposts uh, so that you, you don't forget them. Uh, carefully keep them in your heart. And it, I, I thought this was interesting in Deuteronomy 30 as I reflected again upon it. He talks about the Word of God. Is, it's not mystery, it's not mysterious, and it's not very far away. It's there. You know, we don't have to go, you know, um, uh, go on to some uh, trek to some eastern mountaintop to find the, uh, the Word of God or the Spirit of God. First of all, in the biblical help and hope, we have the Word of God, and then we have the promises of God. It is in God's promises that he has given us all things, as 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4 says, for a life of godliness. His promises are found in Scripture, therefore it is in and through Scripture that God delivers his means of grace for the heart of man to be transformed. The grace of God. God is able, and I've underlined these as you can see, to make all grace abound, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. What's lacking there? Has God shortchanged us? As he said, this is off limits. This is for eternity. No, he's saying, I've given you all things for abundance. And that, when we begin to really grasp that, that what I have in Jesus Christ, you know what happens? I am not interested in the paltry offerings of table scraps from the world. I have a feast, a banquet that God is giving. <clears throat> Second Corinthians, my strength is made, my grace is sufficient, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Understanding the process. First of all, the process of spiritual formation, of loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And again, it's all inclusive. It must be understood it's a process with progress. If, if, if progress is lacking, then that's cause for concern. It doesn't mean that it, progress is, is huge, but it's progress. And sometimes the progress is kind of a, like an up and down, but if you take the line and, and take it up, it's a, it's a gradual move upward. Okay? It's a, it's a process with progress. I, I've had uh, Galatians 4.19. Let's see if I have that one here. Uh, Paul said, my little children, I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Paul recognized the need. And he was so concerned. I mean, for you women that have gone through labor, this is what Paul was going through with the church and what he intended, the effort that he wanted to expend so that Christ would be formed in them. Because Paul, you know, I mean, in labor, is, is, it's described in the scripture as the, the woman endures it because of the joy of the son that's there. Okay, and this is what we're going to talk about. First of all, uh, the practical side, Israel. Israel was given the, the promised land, a land that they didn't have to earn, that was given to them, that they would enjoy the abundance. But how did they say that they would go in? The process for them to go in was where did they start? They started at Jericho. What happened at Jericho? They marched around seven days, one time. Then the last day they marched seven times. And then they blew their trumpets and the walls came tumbling down. Wow! You know, what a tremendous... And God did it for a reason. So that all the people in the camp of Israel would see His presence. But not only that, that all the nations around them would see the presence. But how many times 
were their Jericho experiences in the children of Israel's journey in the promised land. Only once. Never again was there a Jericho. There were other battles that sometimes where it says they go dig ditches and, uh, and later in their life, go dig ditches and fill them with water. Or, no, God came and filled them with water. And the enemy saw it and they were routed and they beat themselves up. But a lot of times it was obedience to the call of God to go at the time and in his way and it was hand-to-hand combat. It was going with your armor on, being spiritually equipped to be in battle hand-to-hand with them. That is the practical side of the children of Israel advancing into the promised land. And when they became discouraged, when they got their eyes or their vision mixed up, when they got it off of God and onto the giants, what happened? Man, they wanted to beat it back to Israel. I mean, to Egypt, of all places, that the, the Bible describes as a, a bondage and a furnace of, of uh, oppression. So the practical side is understanding the process, looking at the example of Israel, and having a vision of God, a big and expanding vision of God. That vision can only come from the Word of God being in our hearts and so that we understand it. And, and, and the important thing to understand about vision is vision is what makes it possible to intend or to have the intention to be totally abandoned to God and to have total trust. I'm not going to trust that, which I don't think is going to hold me if my life is jeopardy. The spiritual formation must include a, a expanding vision of God. And that, in, that definitely involves obedience because what the Bible says, you know what, you're not going to have vision of me if you're not obedient to what I've already shown you. John says that several places. So if we said to God, I'm going to go this far with you, I'm going to obey you right up to here, but I want to keep this little part. And I don't know what that part is. Maybe it's, I want this for my career. I want this place to live. I want this guy or this girl. I want this, this, or this. God says, you're done. I can't go anymore with you. Your heart and your will is not submitted to me. So it doesn't matter. The tree, the root, is starting to die. And the fruit, it's only a matter of time so it doesn't show up. You know, we had a tree in our front yard, two of them, in fact. Um, I, I couldn't put my hands around them, but it was probably 50 to 60 inches across. Uh, diameter-wise. And um, when we moved there, the trees had a lot of green leaves on them. But they were dead or they were dying. It wasn't apparent. But every year, the, the, the leaves became less and less until there were no leaves at all. And then a wind came along and it blew off a branch about this big and landed on the tree next to us and that saved it from pulling down the whole string of light poles, you know, or power poles in the area. <clears throat> if we're going to say, if we're going to challenge God say, I'm going to go this far with you. I can handle it or I don't want you in this part of my life. Spiritual formation comes to a stop. It's very clear. In fact, not only that, is you, be, you don't begin to understand the truths of God's word so, again, you know, we talked about the dynamics. So you could be reading your Bible all the time, and, and, and you're not, well, you know, it's not making sense. It doesn't, it doesn't mean so much to me. Well, that's because you, you have said to God, I don't want to go further. 
And, and then, so what happens is, when you read the Bible over and over again, and it's becoming boring and dry, well, you know what the next, thing, next step is? I don't need it. It doesn't do anything for me. And then it's pretty soon, I don't need church. It's not doing anything for me. Because you have said in your heart that I'm keeping this part. God says it doesn't work that way. So you have to have a vision of God so that you can intend to abandon yourself to God, to total trust, and then go to the means of growing in grace. And growing in grace isn't simply uh, uh, to use less grace. Growing in grace really is to use more grace. Not because I'm sinning that grace may abound, but because I'm recognizing I'm using more grace to be transformed in my heart so that it's changed to be like Christ. Okay, uh, we just got to go. Spiritual disciplines, very important aspect of this whole process and to affect progress. This is a two-day seminar by itself. Um, I can point to you a book that was given to me um, uh, a number of years ago. I think it was in 1998. It's called The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. It talks about these aspects. Most, one of the things that happened, the most benefit that I received from it, not only just good instruction, but I understood the why and how disciplined living impacts abundant living. And it's not, we think it the other way around. If I live a disciplined life, if I'm, you know, go through these spirit of the disciplines of abstinence, of solitude, silence, fasting, frugality, chastity, secrecy, and all of these, it's going to be hard. It's going to be laborious. But no, this is one of the keys. This is the gateway to abundant living. It answered the wise. Now, what has happened? I kind of set it aside. I stopped practicing some of these as much as I should have. Oh, I might be really strong in the study part, in the, in the service part, in the fellowship part. Um, and, but, you know, some of these others have really been, been neglected. Uh, we could go on and discuss those, but our time is, is really escaping us. The heart of all revival is really the heart, the command and control center. And it's the, the spirit, the will. Okay, what am I choosing to take in? What am I allowing to take in? What am I simply neglecting with my choices? Um, it begins there. And God says, as you choose, I will give. Oh, I'm going to continue to work and call you so that you do become spiritually transformed. And Paul and, and the, your, your pastors and your teachers and your parents are laboring again so that Christ be formed in you and in me. And I thank God for that. And you know, as I sense that more and more, the spiritual transformation or formation that goes on in my heart, I become less critical and we're going to talk about how, do, how does revival happen within the church. You know, I become less critical of my brother or sister in Christ because you know what? God has been working in my heart and I've seen too many, too many areas of need in my own life that I'm not going to look down on my brother or sister. Uh, I'm going to look to him. I'm going to come to his throne with confidence for the mercy that I need and the grace to change. A um, couple minutes. Uh, it's... Uh, Covered a lot of lot of territory. Any quick questions or comments uh, or something that you know God uh, laid upon your heart as as we are quickly going through these. Okay, um, 
again, I'll, I'll be around uh, if you want to share some thoughts. Uh, again, this is not exhaustive. There's, there's a lot of information. I just hope that what this forum has done is um, maybe given you some tools to think about, uh, to process in your mind. And as I said, one of the things that happens when you go through the spiritual formation that God intends to you is you don't look at things as a sacrifice, you look at things as a privilege. And that's where God wants to bring us all, to the privilege it is to be his child. Don't be satisfied with the idea that I'm simply saved from eternal damnation, as great and as good as that is, but the abundance that God has and the privilege it is when you look at all the people that you come in contact in your social context that aren't saved. That takes so much simply just to begin to explain a God who is a God of love and who has a plan for them. It is a privilege. And every one of us, if we don't think it is a privilege, we really, uh, that should be a, uh, a red flag, a warning light going off in our mind that something needs to be transformed in our heart. Okay, thanks for all your atten attendance and... Uh, uh, it's 11.30 and our time has gone.